Welcome to Parenting in Acadia, a podcast brought to you by Woman's Foundation. Our goal is to provide you with quality information from local experts to support you in your parenting journey. Hey parents, thank you for listening to Parenting in Acadiana podcast. I'm Amy Broussard, the host today, and with us I have Dr. Aaron Himsell. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So Dr. Himsell, tell me a little bit about yourself. What's your specialty? Where do you work? That kind of thing. I am an obstetrician and gynecologist at Acadiana Women's Health Group, which is located next to Women's and Children's Hospital. We're going to be talking a little bit today about adolescent children, which I see plenty of, as well as adults. So this is something, this topic is something that Women's Foundation, you know, we we really focus on, but I know that there's a lot of moms out there who have daughters, and so we thought it was really appropriate to just have a good conversation about periods. Yay! <laughs> so, you know, maybe let's just start with some of the basics is there a certain age that mom should be on the lookout? Are there certain signs or symptoms that could maybe prepare them or let them know that their daughter's about to have their period? Absolutely. So most of the time, young girls around the age of 9 to 11 or 12 are going to start developing breast buds. They're going to start developing perhaps a little bit of pubic hair. Typically, underarm hair will come a little later. But within about a year or two of those first signs and even some acne, they'll typically get their first period. So is there anything like mom should be on the lookout for abnormalities? What if their daughter is maybe 16 or 17? Is that abnormal or or is there at any point should they be worried? Correct. So um, typically if you haven't seen these signs in your daughter that she's had any of these changes, a growth spurt, breast bud development, a little bit of hair growth, and she's 14 and hasn't had a period either, that's a little bit concerning and she should see a physician for that. Or if she's developed breast buds or hair growth, shown the signs of puberty hitting, but hasn't had a period by the time of the age of 16, then she should seek some medical attention for that. And could you offer maybe any guidance of when they should have their first appointment with an OBGYN. You know, usually they're with their pediatricians for a long time, right. but when do they need to make the switch? Yeah, typically I don't say you need to come and see a gynecologist until you're about 18 to 21 if everything's gone very well. That being said, if you're having any problems, especially when they're, you know, 16, 17, the pediatricians and eh, they're a little bit almost an adult, they send them to me and if they're having any issues with their menstrual cycle, we'll see them. If they're having a lot of pain with their menstrual cycle, we'll see them. Or if they become sexually active, then we should definitely be doing an exam and seeing them. Talk to me a little bit about what or if someone is experiencing problems with their menstrual cycle, what would those problems be? Correct. So the the first thing to say is that young girls who get their first period, it's expected for it to be irregular. Mm. Irregularity is saying that their period is not coming on time. Okay. On time means between the first day you start a period till the first day you start your next period, you count the days. The average is about 21 to 34 days for women. 
for young girls who just started a period, it can range huge differences. So what I typically tell people the rule of thumb is if they go more than three months without a period, 90 days, that's not really that normal. And if they have them more frequently than every 21 days, that's not that's not real normal. So they should kind of see somebody for that. If in the meantime, they have them kind of all over the place between 90 days and 20, 21 and 90 days, that's pretty regular for someone who's just getting their cycle. Their, their hormones are not mature yet. That's all a very normal process. Also, if they go about three years, typically they'll then be considered some someone who's having a regular cycle. So three years into having a period, they'll be within 21 to 34 days about 80% of the time. And if after that time frame they're not, then, then that would be something they would want to investigate. Okay. Can we go a little bit deeper into irregularities? So what constitute as an irregular period? What could be the problems with a period? Our menstrual cycle, aside from just the timing of it, what sure. else could, could contribute? Yeah. So if, you know, like I said, if your child or daughter is having that irregularity within those parameters, it's probably normal. But if it's outside of those parameters, then we get a little bit concerned that there could be something going on with her thyroid. There could be something going on with her ovaries, like polycystic ovarian syndrome. There could be something going on like endometriosis or other hormonal imbalances. So what we would be concerned about is if they're not in that parameter of what we consider normal, if they're going greater than 90 days or they're having more frequent than 21 days are really, really heavy flow. Heavy flow I would define as more than seven days of bleeding at a time or they're changing their pattern tampon every one to two hours. That's very heavy for, okay. for someone. Okay. Then they would want to be seen by their pediatrician or a gynecologist to decide if they maybe have a bleeding disorder or anemia from so much heavy bleeding or a thyroid problem. And that's kind of where I get sent younger patients, just very young patients are not typical, but I do get sent them when they're having kind of those sorts of issues. Tell me about how does the thyroid come in into play is that just a gland that controls or is that, I don't, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'm just asking, is sure. that controlling sure. the, the hormones that yeah, contribute to mm -hmm. the period? Is right. So the thyroid hormone can affect some of the female hormones. And so when the thyroid hormone is at an upper level or even a lower level, it can then affect um, how the ovaries regulate their hormone production. And so the, the repercussions of that ovarian function are weird cycles. And again, when you're young, it being off and not normal and kind of irregular is normal. But someone who's had their period again for three years or an adult woman, I would say, oh, let me check your thyroid because lo and behold, sometimes if you fix a thyroid issue, the periods become regular again. It just, it just, mm -hmm. they kind of play, the thyroid plays into the ovarian function. And then you also mentioned some big word, polycystic thing. Ovarian right, syndrome. Is, is that, does that come with like heavy cramping that it just sounds painful? So I'm yeah. just wondering, you know, what I typically tell people too, is if your cycle is irregular again, which is a kind of a normal thing for young girls who just first start having them, but you see some other symptoms, excessive weight gain all of a sudden, mm or weight loss, mm -hmm. perhaps, mm -hmm. um, 
hair growth that is in abnormal places, such as like the chin, the chest area, the mm-hmm. abdominal wall, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or even ovarian, ovarian syndrome. Yes. Um, and, you know, how, how would I know that I had that or it just sounds painful? Right. I'm thinking like in my head, I'm just thinking really painful cramps. Right. So that's not necessarily the diagnosis for that. Okay. <laughs> However, what things to look out for, again, a young girl who's having an irregular cycle and she's within a parameter of time when she just started, it's supposed to be irregular. You're telling me that's normal, but she's having any other symptoms like excessive weight gain mm. or excessive hair growth such as on her chin, on her on her breast buds, on her abdominal wall, those would be signs of either, or even weight loss, the thyroid, or even PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, that you might want to get looked into, you should, mm. before saying, oh, she's irregular. I mean, those would not be normal things for your kid to gain that much weight or grow that much hair at the time of puberty. Gotcha, gotcha. So are, are there any specific questions that patients come in, either young patients or moms of, of young girls? Do, do you get asked the same questions over and over? I do. I have a few that I can say offhand that people always get stressed out about their first exam. Oh. <laughs> so you bring your kid in and you tell, I have two kinds of people. One says she's going to have the exam because we all did that when we were that age and that's just the way it is. And I've prepared her for that. And she's just in tears or the mom who's like, you're not going to touch my daughter. <laughs> she's too young. And again, it, it, age is a factor. Whether or not they've become sexually active is a factor. And whether what the problem is, you know. So typically I say that the first time a patient needs an exam is between 18 to 21 years old. Or if they're having problems beforehand. If they're mm-hmm. having a lot of pain with their periods. If they are sexually active, they definitely need an exam for an STD screen, etc. They can have all sorts of trouble with their cycle that I need to actually look and kind of see. But if everything's just kind of going routine, they're fine. They really don't need to come see a gynecologist right when they start the period. Mm -hmm. They just need to be seen, you know, 18 to 21. And we actually don't do the first pap smear, which is the cervical cancer screen, which is just a little scraping during a pelvic exam um, until the age of 21. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people confuse those two things, pelvic exam, pap smear. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So I could see where there might be a lot of anxiety and just, you know, for parents oh, yeah, to be absolutely. unsure as to what, what's the rule, what's, what's do, the standard. What's going yeah. on. Yeah, 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 there is. But we try to make it as comfortable for them as possible. Mm-hmm. We try to talk to them. I, I mean, I do. I don't know about everybody, but beforehand about what we're going to do and what to expect during the exam and whether or not they want their mother in the room or not or, you know, we can have a conversation privately, which we need to. She's my patient and their mother's not my patient. To discuss private things that need to be discussed and counseled upon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another really good, probably burning question that some moms might have. Is when is it safe to use a tampon? Can can girls just jump right into that? You know, what? Right. what, what are the rules? And I guess it's not hard, fast rules, but... When is it safe? Yeah, actually, it's safe whenever the patient's comfortable, the mom's comfortable. There's a lot of patients that want to do that earlier than others because they're 
active or athletic or swimmers or at mm-hmm. the pool mm-hmm. and they want to be able to use that and, and and it's all about a comfort so at the onset of a period your first cycle you're welcome to try to use them I'd recommend the smaller the slim ones at first of course but the patient can practice the patient may not know she may not know and her mom can show her she can come and see me a lot of girls are raised by single dads I show girls in the office how to insert tampons pretty regularly so that's something they can seek out a gynecologist to help with that but it's safe at any point in time once they're ready oh well that's that's good to know so we've discussed length of time I guess for abnormalities, we've discussed flow and as an abnormality, but what about cramps? You know, what, what should people expect or what is abnormal or what can they do to treat cramps? Sure. Tell me about cramps. Yeah. Cramps. (laughs) Yeah. What's up with cramps? Cramps are actually just uterine contractions, just like when you have a baby. So some have more intense cramps. They feel like they're in labor. Typically, that's more of a problem if it's that severe. Some just have a little bit of cramping, and and it's all part of that process of just eliminating that blood from the uterus. So typically, I tell my patients for cramping, after a few cycles start on, you kind of have signs when you're about to get a period. You might have a little cramping the night before. You might feel a little bloated and know like, oh, I'm about to get it in a day or two. I usually say to start some medicine then because you can get to it before it gets really bad. So I usually recommend some ibuprofen according to the package guidelines for the child of age and weight that they are or some Aleve. Anything that's considered a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory like those things work really well. Way better than Tylenol or Pamperin. Okay. Everybody buys Pamperin. It doesn't work. Okay. Just stop buying Pamperin. <laughs> what there's a mitol. What what about mitol? Mitol too. It's the same thing as Pamperin. It's terrible. Okay. It doesn't work as well as um, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, which is not in those products. So NSAIDs, which are non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, they help with inflammation, and so a lot of cramping is inflammatory, and so the taking them, starting them at the onset of when you know I'm about to get a cycle. And continuing them pretty regularly, like I said, according to the package guidelines, through those first few days of a cycle, which are usually the most painful, can tremendously help girls get through the day at school, mm-hmm. stop having so much pain that they're having, you know, doubled over vomiting, leaving class. I mean, the, and now doubled over vomiting, leaving class is pretty severe. Right. That may be something we need to see you for. But if this helps you get through the day, mm-hmm. great. If you wait till you're at that point and then try to take one, it'll take an hour or two to set in. You're not going to feel good. You're going to be at home, checked out of school, waiting for it to kick in. And then again, if you're taking the Pamperin or Midol, I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not the same kind of relief that can be provided by these other medications. And so, yeah, taking it scheduled is the way to go. That is great advice. Can we talk a little bit about hormones and behavior changes or just depression? Um, is, would any of that be associated with menstrual cycles or red flags? It can be. Hormonal changes make a little adolescent, teenage girl and boy, for that matter, mm-hmm. you know, feel crazy, of course. They can have a lot of mood swings. They can have a lot more outbursts. They're... they're 
the way I like to describe it is their ovaries are just on overdrive. They're just like throwing out hormone, yeah. making it. And they never had that before. They don't know what to do. And mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. to mention their body's changing. They're starting to have all these other feelings um, mm-hmm. towards the other sex that they never noticed or had before because because that's the onset of your body being prepared to conceive and reproduce and repopulate the world. I mean, that's just the fact that it is. What I would be concerned about is more if your child is having any kind of discussion about hurting themselves, hurting other people, that would be more of a depression issue that would be concerning, not necessarily associated with just, oh, they're going right, through puberty. Right. And yeah. yeah, and I guess that's like where counselors would yeah, probably come Yeah, counselors into play, yeah. and at the school, other counselors that you would maybe need to hire, sure, would come into play at that point. Awesome. Well... Hopefully, you know, all the girls out there listening or the moms and yeah. the girls going through those problems, but there are people out who can out, oh. out there in the community who can help. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can start with your doctor. I mean, you, again, your pediatrician, your gynecologist, your family physician, if you're having um, any kind of gut feeling that your child's just not going through normal pubertal changes. So I'm going to take a quick second mm-hmm. and completely plug Woman's Foundation and our programs. Our our foundation, we actually have a program called Body Talk, and it's specifically around educating parents and children on puberty, on awesome. this exactly, on this topic exactly. We do it for boys and girls. It's, of course, separate classes. We, you know, a parent has to attend. So both the child and the parent are getting the same information. And we like to say it's a hard topic, but we're here to help. Sometimes it it, it kind of breaks the ice. Yeah. So you can sit in the class and uh, you can both hear it from a third party. That also helps sometimes. Right. And then go home and discuss. Right. And then if you guys have any questions, always you can find Dr. Hemsell or your family physician. Always reach out to a medical professional when you have questions. And Dr. Hemsell, one thing that I like to ask our guests at the very end okay. is what's the one thing you want parents to learn from our discussion today so take some time and think about it but just like a what's what's the one thing that's really important for parents to know about periods I think the one thing that I would say is the most important and not to say oh body talk but to to introduce the thought and the idea to your children and to your daughters that they're going to have these changes coming up to explain to them ahead of time and to be ready for that. The first period can come at any moment's notice. The second period might come a few months later. Having something available in their backpack, a separate pair of underwear, some pads, but because they know about it, because Mm -hmm. you've sat down or gone to these classes or done something to inform your child and give them information, all kids want is to know right to understand and to understand and if you if you are too scared to then bring them to the doctor I'll tell them I'll show them everything and bring them to body talk I mean but to not have a conversation with your child about something so major as puberty and we all remember I mm-hmm. mean it was oh, just yeah. bleh, excruciating mm-hmm. and to not be prepared for that to not know that you're about to have maybe tremendous amounts of bleeding come out yeah, of your vagina a, a, and dirty your clothes yeah, at school at in the school. middle of all your friends. That would be 
horrifying. And I'd yeah. be really upset with my mother had she not prepared me for that. Right, right. And so I really think that's the number one thing is to bring it up. Talk to your kids. That's what this is about. This is what we're trying to teach you. What's normal, what's not. Talk to them about it. And 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 they may not get it. They may not want to hear it. They mm-hmm. may not. But they're going to be grateful for that eventually when they're our age and know, right. hey, I didn't have like this horrible experience with my first cycle. I felt like I could talk to my mom or my mom could bring me to the appropriate place to learn about these things. And I didn't just learn about it from, you know, my friend down the road who told me about it. And I was like, what does that mean? I don't understand. You know, keeping kids uh, well informed, I think, is um, key to their to their uh, success because they that's all they're just little sponges they just want to know they just want to be there and they want to understand i love it thank you so much again for being here parents thank you so much for listening please remember to rate review and subscribe to parenting in a kitty in a podcast we appreciate your feedback and again thank you dr himself for being here thank you so much for having me